Hello there, I'm Graham Bell. I produce country music radio programs in Australia for years for the ABC and commercial radio stations. I'd like to share with you an interview I did with a country music artist. Today I'm having a chat with Stan Costa and we talk about his life and how he got started. as we go along. But uh, at the moment, I was asking Stan Costa where he was born. Whereabouts were you born, mate? I was born at Casino. Um, only just born there because my parents were, were travellers and I, uh, I was due to be born there. And when uh, Mum came out of the hospital, they moved off again. So uh, you couldn't call it the hometown or any other home, any other town for that. I suppose the closest I ever got to a hometown was Woolgulga. Seven of us in the family all told. Um, there were two two brothers, and uh, the rest were girls. Uh, there's only about three or four living now, I think. There's, uh, we're sort of scattered all over the place anyway. Uh, Stan, do you remember when you first started getting interested in country music? Yes, I do. It was, uh, like I said, I came to Woolgulga when I was eight, and it was a lot earlier than that, so I don't know where we were, but I was greatly intrigued by Shirley Tom's and Tex Morton, Buddy Williams, Old Smile and Billy Blinkhorn, and uh, Jimmy Rogers, all those people in, the, in those early days, Wilf Carter, and, um, and then later on, of course, Gordon Parsons and Slim. But uh, it's a funny thing, Dad was uh, was more interested in uh, in opera music. Is that right? Yeah, he was. It's, was yeah. your mum and dad uh, musical? Oh yes, Mum used to play the old squeeze box accordion, and Dad could rattle out a bit of a tune on the on the piano. And then uh, I had two sisters and a brother all all took to uh, piano, and you know that sort of thing. Oh, great! So, uh, but but uh, your your Dad liked the opera. Yeah, and what what was worse, he used to uh, he used to ridicule the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the hillbilly. Yeah, thing. he used to call him hillbilly Hicks and all this yeah, sort of thing, yeah. and. Uh, uh, we couldn't understand why. The WG Wagger, they had a program Saturday night. Uh, it was a big thing, and I'm, I'm sure that uh, the recording artists got much more airplay in those days. We get no help, almost no help from commercial stations these days. Just an odd one. You could count them on your hand all over the country. If it wasn't for the ABC and the FM radio stations, I tell you what, we'd starve, because we get very little airplay. But the FMs, they help us, and, uh, and the ABC. Uh, All right, when, when did you first uh, discover that you had a, a talent for writing? Not before I was about 25, actually. Uh, I was always greatly in influenced by Henry Lawson's work, and I still am. Uh, when I was a little fella, Mum used to read, she'd read poetry, old Lawson stuff to us, and, and short stories, and... I grew to love that old man, I still do. Uh, and I didn't start to write till I was 25, and that was 1956. That was a year of a big flooded kind of mother, and my wife took very sick and went to take her in a lever in hospital. And I was out there on the station looking after these two little, the two eldest kids, only little fellas in the time. And after I'd read every book in the place, and like it was in that big 56 flood too at the time, uh, I had an old guitar bloke who lent me and showed me a few chords and I started to muck around with it and 
and composed these morbid sort of songs. They were. I was missing the wife, something terrible. Anyway, when she came out, I let her hear these. I sang them to her, and she was surprised. She said, where'd they come from? I said, I wrote them while you were in, in hospital. And then I started to put a few uh, ballads together about things that happened on the station and stories like that, and it just eventuated from there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That wasn't until you were 25. Oh, 25. Uh, I'd never planned it. I'd never sort of thought, now I want to write songs or anything like that. That just sort of, that that happened. Did you uh, listen to uh, Slim Dusty and Buddy Williams and those, a lot in those days? Or oh, you, yes. You've gone off it a bit. You still were a very keen fan of theirs. Oh, yes, certainly was. Yeah. And I travelled, <clears throat> I had a mate, travelling mate, Terry Hall. He came from Woolgooga yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah. And he was a brilliant... A singer and writer and guitarist, uh, and he tried to teach me guitar when we were knocking around. I was only about 17 and 18, and then I, I wasn't interested in learning. I just used to like to listen to him. I often wish I had had have uh, started back earlier. That, uh, yes, yeah, so just yeah, amazing. Yeah. And um, uh, what was your first big song? You, you, you run into Slim Dusty one day and, and yeah. showed him a couple of songs. Did That's you right. tell us about that? Yeah, I met him at Longreach and uh, I was always uh, wanting to get him to hear, you know, see, give me his opinion on him. So uh, he said, come down to the showground tomorrow morning at nine o'clock and I'll have a listen. And uh, I got there a bit late because some mad ringer blokes had come in through the night and we had a few cartons of beer and a, a guitar and we sat around a fire and sang and drank and <laughs> carried on till pretty late and I didn't like that. Yeah, but uh, I don't know, the first the first song that started to make airwaves was By a Fire of Gidget Coles. That was, that's the first one. He recorded a, a single of mine in 1962 called Return of the Stockman and in the next year, 63, he recorded his first real album of bush ballads called Songs of Australia. And that had six songs of mine on it, and including the Gidgey Coles was on that. And I, I thought it was just a song, actually. And anyway, Slim went out on tour, and he came back, and he went out again on another year tour, and he came back, and he came. When I met him, he said, "You know what the Bush people are all requesting? What song?" And I said, "No." He said, "By a fire of Gidgey Coles." And I said, "Well, I don't think that." I think it's only just a song, and he said, yeah, he said, I, I don't think it's anything to rave about either. <laughs> All right, well, I'm... 26 minutes past 8 o'clock on 2CHYFM. You have Graham Bell through till 9.30 in country music, and at the moment we're having an interview with Stan Costa, and uh, the tape was of poor quality, and uh, a part of it that we did cut out completely was that when he was growing up, Stan lived in Woolgooga. He grew up in Woolgooga and started work while he was in Woolgooga and he, he uh, worked as a butcher out at Featherston's uh, butcher shop at Woolgooga and then he went sleeper cutting and, and other things but his father used to be a train driver and he used to drive the train from Glenray to Dorigo on the Glenray to Dorigo line and Stan talked about that which uh, it was a shame we did miss out on it but uh, how his father used to pick people up and then he'd slow down on the big hill just before Dorigo to let them out again and uh, he often had to explain why he did slow down but uh, it was quite interesting in the frosty mornings when the train couldn't make it up the hills but let's at this stage return to Stan Costa with the interview that I did early in the week.
Oh, uh, Stan, where did you first meet your wife? Uh, well, it was when I when I was travelling with Jimmy Wilton with a bug jump show. Actually, she came to the show with a girlfriend, and um, I just met her and talked to her, and then I pulled out of the show oh, about a week or so later, and I came back to Swansea, and uh, I think it must have been a case of love at first sight, really, because uh, it was meant to be. Uh, it turned out. Everything worked in our, in our favour, and uh, we we got married. We went out onto a station at uh, at Walgett, and she was only 16. I was only 20, just 21. Uh, I took her out there on a lonely outstation, just with one old man there, and uh, we had no wireless, and she used to stay at home. And uh, one day she said to me, "I'm lonely. I'm bored. There's nothing to do, and you know." in this big old lonely homestead. And I said, well, you better learn to ride a horse and you, you can come mustering with us. So she she did, and she turned out a pretty good rider, you know. And mm. we used to go out mustering, and, and on the Sunday, we'd, we'd do our washing, we'd boil, boil the sheets and all that in the old copper and uh, rinse them in the tub with knob of blue, you know, and we become very good mates. And uh, I think we were lucky in one respect that every time we'd have a quarrel, we had to learn to com compromise, whereas a lot of people, if they're close to town, they run home to mummy, you know, and all this sort of thing. Mm. Uh, but out there, we we had to sort it all out, and uh, we learned to, to give and take that way, I think. You got much influence with you as far as your songs go? Yes, she has. She, um, she comes up with some good suggestions at times, and she's very critical which I like, all my family are. As soon as I write a new song, I sing it onto a tape and I let the family have a listen to it. And quite often they'll say, that line there, it's a pretty weak line. I think you should strengthen that line. Uh, yeah, they're, they're very help, mm. helpful that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, your, what would be your favourite song? It's a funny thing, you know, Graham. I haven't got a favourite song. You haven't? No, or a favourite favourite artist. Yeah. I like them all. I think Old Dusty's would be my favourite artist, actually. Yeah. And I think Chris Christopherson would be my fa favourite writer. I think he, mm. his earlier stuff was brilliant writing. He sort of changed the course of country music a bit, Chris Christopherson, didn't he? He certainly did. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he really did. Yeah. How do you think the way, uh, well, the Bush Ballad is like yourself and, and Shorty Ranger and uh, do you think that's going to continue? I don't know it's a, it's a question that <clears throat> I've been asked it's a question I've asked myself a lot I, I don't I don't think it's going to continue really it's a way of uh, the changing world um, it, it could could go either way it could it be that uh, people will become very interested in, in the stories of the past. Mm. Uh, then again, it could be that, that they don't know what you're talking about. It's a totally foreign language to them. Yeah. Well, there's Owen Blundell, but uh, the other young writers seem to be. Uh, I suppose Norma Murphy is, is sticking to a bush ballad. Norma is. Mm. She's writing very good stuff. Yeah, but most of the others, Alan Caswell and those, uh, are changing the style of, uh, of the. Yeah, well, you've got to know what you're writing about. Uh, Caswell wouldn't be able to write about stock camps because you've never been in them. Mm. Uh, you've got to be very authentic. You've got to have done it because the bush people will pick it up like hell, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yes, I, I've heard them before and uh, on other people's songs and they've laughed. What are they talking about? Yeah. They've never been in the bush. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the style of country music seems to uh, be taking a different direction, uh, especially if we're going to take any notice of the way the awards are going. There yeah. seems to be a really uh, rock element getting into it now, do you feel? Yes, I think they must think that that's what the people want. Uh, a lot of commercial radio stations... Program managers have tried to tell me that they said that's not what the people want, the bush ballot. But uh, we go around and, uh, and we get big audiences in coastal towns and in, in Sydney, and, and a hell of a lot of young people in the audience come up and they ask me to explain to them what a word or a, a line in one of my songs meant. So they're very concerned, they're very interested. So, like the earlier question, which, how long will the ballot last? Uh, it could be, could create uh, curiosity. I know uh, when we were on tour last year up at uh, Hermansburg, out from Alice Springs, there was a film crew there, and they did a, a documentary, and they, they did a segment of our show too. And I gave them some, a couple of tapes, and then I, I met them later on up Darwin, and they listened to that story I wrote about the old wedding bell. Mm. And they said to me, that, that is a, uh, an education on its own, that song. And I said, I didn't think you blokes would understand it because you're all city fellows who've never been in the bush. And they said, well, you tell the story so descriptively that we, we can, can understand it. So it, it, it mm. could, could be that the ballad might live on. I don't know. Mm, I hope yeah. it does. But we're going to need the writers. Exactly, and there's nobody writing Bush. No. Um, and there's very, like, the, the, the method of working has changed so much. Out in the back country, apart from in, in real mountainous country, uh, there's no horsemen left. They're, they're mustering on motorbikes and uh, in jeeps and helicopters. And, and their dress has gone. They don't wear the, the Williams boots and the moleskins and, and the and the old bushman's hat anymore. What do they wear? They wear thongs and shorts and a rag hat, like a banana chipper might mm -hmm. wear, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's unreal, and they ride a motorbike. Mm -hmm. And a, a mate of mine had gone back up around Normanton, and he'd been a, a cook in, in stock camps for years, and he came down around Bundaberg and worked for a while in the same job as I was working, and he went back to Normanton, and he came back about six months later, he said, the bush is buggered, mate. He said, all the ringers out there he said, they're all on motorbikes now and they're playing rock music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he said, on Sunday when you're doing your washing, we used to play old Dusty and all us fellas. He said, they got rock music blaring out all the time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you say, who's going to write it? Well, they, they wouldn't be able to write no, it. So. Sure, sure, yeah. <laughs> it's sad in a way, but it yeah. is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, all right, well, we've just about run out of uh, time this morning. And, yeah. and, and we hope that your uh, idea will come true that's where you might be able to come through every three or four months i think make so. a regular tour yes mate we're coming back to Woolgulger on the 22nd of april mm. for a show there how do you find the um, traveling on the roads it must be getting awful expensive it is uh, we just did a tour right around australia last year and we paid 80 cents a litre for fuel in a lot of places and we're fueling to Two F-100s towing vans, so they use a lot of juice. And just coming across, across the Nullarbor between Esperance and Clare was where we showed last and the next time. It cost $800 for fuel alone. Mm. So um, 
you've got to get big crowds. Yes. Uh, I, I don't think I'd attempt that trip again. So we're sticking to the, the, the east coast of Australia for this year and, and probably next year. And then we might go back. I see Rick and Thel have, have retired permanently from the road. There's only there's only two full shows apart from Dusty. Well, he's, he's not uh, full-time so much anymore. Uh, there's only Brian Young and myself who has got a full band and, and entertainment show, you yeah, know, but yeah. left on the road. So it won't be, I think we'll, we'll all be priced off the road before too long yeah, well, in the way of big travelling. Uh, Rex Dallas was saying that uh, the, the cost of the fuel, they're, they're oh, putting yeah. the prices of halls up a lot more than what they used to be and people oh, seem yes. more interested in videos now and they seem yeah. to be everywhere. Yeah, the hall costs are unreal. Especially in WA, you know, some halls over there, they charge us $200 for the use of the hall. Yes, yes. And any order, any local function was only about $50. So yes, they're, they're, they're head, hitting the travelling showman. Yes, yes. So, yeah. so you'll get a, I suppose the only way you can do it is to, is to put the prices up. Yeah, well, you put the price up and then the, pe the people haven't got the money, see? Mm. Mm. Uh, it's a hard thing. We've kept our prices down for three years. We haven't raised them, and yet everything's gone up. Musical sound equipment, everything. Mm. Replacement of even, you know, guitar strings, I don't know what it is. Mm. Uh, registration, everything's gone up. So we should be charging a lot more than we are, actually, but we, we think, well, the battler hasn't got yes. the money in his pocket. <laughs> All right, mate. We'll catch you. We'll be back again uh, to do another show in Coffs. And, Certainly, uh, mate, yes. yes. All right. And always let me know, and I like to tell the people about it. I will in future. Yeah, OK, <laughs> then. Good on you, Yeah, Bobber. I'll be back with another country artist for a country artist chat. Graham Bell saying, until then, you take care now. <laughs>